0: Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Empowerment with Elizabeth. Today I'm here with my sweet new friend Bronwyn from the Real Housewives of Orange County. Um, And I'm so excited for her to be on today and to talk to us a little bit about her sobriety advocacy, her sober journey, all the things. So Bronwyn, tell us a little bit about
1: yourself. Well, my name is Bronwyn Wyndham. I have seven children. I think some of them might even be older than you and the people watching this, uh, from 23 to five. I am uh, recently engaged to a beautiful woman and I have just become a transplant from Orange County to Nashville, Tennessee, which I have to say, the fact that you even say y'all, I love it because my roots are in Mississippi and uh, it does feel like coming home a little bit.
0: Yeah, whenever I DM'd Bronwyn to ask her to be on the podcast, she was like, wait, you're from Mississippi? Like, what yeah. so, yeah, it's yeah. a fun little connection that we have. We were just talking about that earlier, too. So that's super yeah. sweet. Um, okay, but talk to us a little bit about your sobriety journey. Just kind of give us an overview, a basic, and a little
1: timeline about it. I started drinking when I was 14. I remember my first beer. It was at a high school party. I was about to be a freshman. It was a warm keystone on the rocks of Laguna Beach, um, which is a town in Orange County. I grew up in Orange County. And I remember that feeling of like, oh, oh, my God, this is peaceful. I didn't know at the time I had social anxiety. In the 80s and 90s, we didn't throw around these mids health terms like we do now i just knew that when i was around people i felt uncomfortable in my own skin obviously at 14 most people do but what i've learned since then is i have i have horrible social anxiety um britney spears actually in her book talks about it and when i was reading it i'm like oh my god I, I feel what she's saying i could spend all day at home i didn't know that then all i knew is that that first fear i wanted to be around people and i just felt comfortable And that was sort of the beginning of what I call problematic drinking. From the time I was 14 till I was 40, I drank too much. um, I threw up a lot of the times, I blacked out. Um, When I was younger, it wasn't something that I put too much thought into because everyone was doing it. You know, like it or not, a lot of those people have grown up and become adults and they are problematic drinkers, but some have actually. So I didn't think about when I was younger. I had a lot of kids. I never drank when I was pregnant or nursing. Um, That's actually very common in the recovery rooms that I'm in for women. Um, And then it wasn't until my kids got older that I realized I really had a problem. I think the first aha moment I had was I was with my son, Jacob. He was about two. And I passed out on the couch with him and a friend over. And I woke up and they were outside. We were living in D.C. And they were like playing in the river. And I had this moment of, oh, my God, I could have... They could have been hurt. That was the first time I got sober. I've been sober three times now. This is the longest I've been sober with the exception of when I was having babies. So that's when I first realized I had a problem. For me though, coming from an alcoholic family, this is genetic, I would always use that as a goalpost. Well, my dad, well, my aunt, so I must not be an alcoholic. Um, It wasn't until this third time when I was filming the show That I really had to look at my behavior and say, This is me. I'm an alcoholic. I can't drink after five. I can't drink on the weekends. I can't drink only beer. It doesn't matter how long I go without drinking. What happens when I do is not great. And that was the light bulb moment for me.
0: I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't recognize. You know, I think about my mom when she was talking about like, her grandpa, when she was growing up and how, um, you know, he could go like a couple months without drinking, but then there would be like a one week, like week long bender where he would just be like, yeah, you know, out of,
1: out of commission basically. So. And I, I think with your age group and younger people that are in college, we call binge drinking, you will sort of start to know if you have an issue or not at your age. Can you have three drinks? Some people can. I could not. And if you have one drink, that means you're having 10, you might want to say, hmm, especially if you have a family predisposition, hmm, maybe this could be something I need to keep an eye on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, that uh, you're so right. It's such a huge problem on college campuses. And yeah. I'm, I'm getting my master's in public health right now. And one of the kids in my class was doing a project on the amount of liquor stores around Ole Miss. And it was 20. Um, that are in a mile of campus and they're I mean like literally he like pulled up a map and put it on the board and it was like literally a circle around the campus of just like dotted with liquor stores. Um, It
1: is a problem and I think college students that's when you're learning sort of when you're in high school you're rebelling against your parents and college is when you really need to start taking accountability for yourself. I got myself into situations that I I shouldn't have been in, and things have happened because of my drinking, especially when I was younger. Um, and I don't ever want my daughters to be in that position. So it's like, you got to take care of yourself. You got to know your limits. And if this runs in your history, in your family history, just like be open to the fact that drinking till you pass out isn't actually normal. It's fair. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. So, talk about the most difficult part aside from just the entirety of it but maybe something that like shocked you about your sober journey. Like what was the most surprising thing about, you know, making the decision to be sober? I
1: think that uh, the, the most surprising part was because I did it on national television was how many people thought I was lying. Like I, that never occurred to me that you'd be like, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, you're making that up. What? For <laughs> like, why? Like, <laughs> you You know, I've been blacking out. Like that, that was, I think, in, in the moment, the, because in my world, if someone comes to me and says, oh, I have a problem getting sober, the only thing you say is, how can I help? Like, right? It, oh, okay. Um, that was the most surprising, not just in my my life, but online. There was a lot of hate online. Since then, I've realized, you know, when with the world of reality television, there are a lot of people that lie. Like, if you can fake cancer, you can fake alcoholism. So I don't take it personally. Um, given the climate of that world. But even in my own life, I had a lot of people that are like, you don't have a problem, just slow down. So that that was surprising. As my sobriety has progressed, my, the most su- surprising part to me has been how hard it's been. Um not to stay sober, but to live life on life's terms. Like three years ago, I was married, I was financially secure. I had a huge, beautiful home in Orange County. Now I'm in a townhouse paying my own bills on a very limited budget, all on my own. And like, that's hard when you're 46. It's hard when you're 26, but like 46, I'm like, I'm starting over from scratch. Like I was when I was 18. That has been a lot harder than I anticipated. But Mm -hmm. if I was drinking, it would be impossible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think also what you were talking about with, you know, people thinking that you were lying is also kind of a commentary on society because I I can't imagine, you know, I, I think about whenever I go out to dinner with friends and, you know, not all of my friends drink, but they're definitely like, I have, you know, pockets of friends and there are right. pockets of them that all do. And I can't imagine, you know, like being in a group of friends where they're all like, what do you mean you don't drink? Like, is that not what everybody does at every meal? and. You would think
1: as you grow up that goes away. It doesn't. It unless like um, my fiance is trying to do dry 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 January, and even people were like, "Oh, why?" It is so bizarre to me. It it doesn't matter if you're in your twenties or I'm almost fifty. People are still like, "But why? Why are you taking this substance that's bad for you?" If I gave up crack, people would be like, "Good job." Yeah, you're like you alcohol know? is a toxin, in fact. Like we yeah. just can't but, ignore that. <laughs> that I'm sure someone somewhere has done something about the billion dollar PR industry that is the alcohol business. So the fact that we feel this way is on purpose. We've been programmed through a lifetime of advertisements, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think like luckily right now, I've I've started to notice that I, I'm live in Dallas, like whenever I come home on breaks. And in Dallas, at least, not in Oxford yet, but in Dallas, I've noticed that on some of the cocktail menus, they've got a mocktail section now, which I love that's starting to, like, become a trend and, like, kind of become more popular. But I'm still like, wait, but why do you have to have a cocktail at all, though? Like, why does it need to be, like, (laughs) (laughs) can you not just have
1: soda? (laughs) Uh, Jen was at her her old job, and they are like, okay, we're going to all meet for drinks. And even she, when she started dating me, was like, can we do something else? Not everyone drinks. And it's just even I say it sometimes. I put it in air quotes, but it's like, hey, do you want to meet for a drink later? Because I don't want to have a meal with you and it's too late for coffee. So what else do I call it? Do you want to drink water at a restaurant for two hours so we can catch up? Like even the term, let's go grab a drink is like I have time to kill. What else do we do? So it's just a reshifting, it's a reprogramming. And that's gonna take I don't even know if it's possible, but it's going to take a long time if it is. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how can spouses, friends, family members, significant others, any part of the support system, how can they best support somebody who, that is a loved one to them that's practicing sobriety?
1: I think the first thing I want to mention is if you have a loved one that's not sober, there's not much you can do. Because I do get a lot of questions just on my own Instagram, my mom drinks, my partner drinks. To remember this isn't your problem um and I always want to say go to Al-Anon go to a group of people that can help you um that's step one if someone's still drinking if someone's sober I think you just have to as far as me I I never want to speak for anyone but myself as far as me it was just oh my god I I'm a nightmare to be sober with sometimes um I, <laughs> but to know that like you're gonna feel all of the emotions Yeah. I was first getting sober. I think I cried for a good year and I can't imagine that was enjoyable to be around. Um, so I think if someone's getting sober, give them the space to feel all the feelings. A lot of them are going to be ugly and that's okay. It's not forever. No, no feeling is forever. Um, even now, like, listen, when I say I want to go or I don't want to go somewhere, don't take it personally. I don't always want to go. And it's not because I don't want to hang out with you or if I cancel last minute, it's not because I don't like you. It's, I don't want to be out tonight because no one just drinks because they're addicted to alcohol. Usually. Well, not no one, but most people drink to cover up a bunch of other things for me. It's anxiety, social anxiety. So if I don't want to go out, don't make me just like, give me this space and the grace and the time. And then I think, and this is for me, can we laugh about it because there's a lot of things that are just hard and awful whatever but if you have a sense of humor about this whole thing like as I'm ugly ugly crying and laughing and like whatever if you can laugh with me um I've noticed that everyone that I know in recovery we laugh about it we don't take life seriously I have a sign on my wall that says gluten-free cocaine and people are like but you're sober I'm like that's the point like that makes me laugh because if I sit in the hardness of it all that's, that's awful. So let's make fun of ourselves. So for me, that's a big part of it is to not always be so heavy.
0: (laughs) And I think what you said about like it covering up so many different emotions is so true. I mean, I I've never been, you know, an alcoholic, but I recently read Mike, the situations book, which is so cool. Really good. And maybe that's not nice of me to say, but it was really good. And he was talking about he was, you know, a drug addict. And um, one of the things that he mentioned that was surprising to him about being sober was that all of the emotions that he'd been covering up with drugs and narcotics had absolutely come back tenfold since he had gotten sober and it's he was like it's because I was trying to cover them up so I think that's so interesting
1: that you also said that too about you know substance. very real it's very real and it's growing pains uh I also tell people that if you're only getting sober for short amounts of time like taking a month off or even taking three months off you never get to the good part you're doing the hard part over and over and over again. So if you think you might have an issue, give yourself a year, give yourself a good year. It doesn't have to be forever. Just be like, I'm gonna give myself a year. Cause that's really how long it takes through to wade through like all the the garbage. I mean, even three, I'm almost four years now. And oh, wow, it's 2024. I'm almost at my, wow, I'm almost four years. Congratulations. And I'm, thank you. I, it's January 30th, so close. I, I still am uncovering things about myself that I was bringing to hide. where I'm like, oh, like huge things. So be patient with yourself.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, okay, so what is one thing about alcohol use disorder that society and the media gets wrong? I
1: still have people say that it's a choice. Mm, yeah. Um. And for someone that isn't an addict, the only way that I can describe it is, once I have a drink, I lose all control. You're right. I have a choice now, after four years, to pick up that four that that after four years to pick up a drink. I didn't have it when I was drinking. One, it hurts physically. You actually cannot just give up alcohol if you've been drinking um, because you can die. So remember that. Two, it is a disease. It it it. I can't describe what happens to me. But the second I have a sip of alcohol, all I want is more. And it's bigger than my kids. It's bigger than my life. It's bigger than all of those things. So if someone's drinking and you're thinking, oh, they chose alcohol over me, that's not true. They don't have a choice. If they're actively drinking, Drinking, they have lost that choice.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's big. And I feel like that also kind of goes hand in hand with mental health and kind of how our society treats that too. Um, Because I think a lot of times it's like, okay, like maybe you do have anxiety, but like that's never going to, you know, surface physically or you're never going to be able to see that on the outside. But that's not true. And that's the same thing I feel like with, you know, substance abuse of any kind, too. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. We just need to get a little bit nicer to each other. I think coming out of the pandemic, I mean, it's been years now, but we're all I don't know anyone that's okay. I just know people that are doing a better job of faking it on Instagram. But when you get to be my age, like I remember when I was younger, we all tried to be perfect. We were all pretending that our lives were okay. Once you get to be closer to 50, you're like, well, that was a fucking disaster. Like I wasn't anticipating any of that. So most of my friends now are like, this is so much harder. And a lot of us have children that are in college and we're just like, no one's okay. Like no one is okay right now. And I think we all just need to be a little bit nicer to each other because we're all dealing with something. Yeah,
0: absolutely. My pastor, the other, I think it was like three weeks ago. um, He literally like in the middle of the sermon was just like, I like, I don't know if you guys can really understand, but like life is like, is actually really hard. And like, (laughs) that's across the board. Like that's not like just like one person, like it actually is supposed to be hard because it's a fallen world, and that's so true. And I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't think I've ever actually like realized that
1: before. He just said that, even though it's so obvious. <laughs> that's one of those aha moments, and I remember when I was younger thinking, "Well, when I get to a certain age, when I get married, when I buy a house, when I do this, then it'll be, then it'll be easy, then it'll be easy." No, there's always something. So when times are peaceful, I'm like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this, but. Yeah. I I like that your pastor said that because it's so true. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy for any of us. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. Final question. If you could give one piece of advice to someone starting out on their sobriety journey, what would it be?
1: I think I'm just going to reiterate what I said before. Don't give up. If you're doing the hardest part over and over and over again, you never, you never get to the other side. You never get to the good part.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bronwyn, for coming on. You're so sweet to do this, to answer a DM from a random girl that you've never met. So I (laughs) so appreciate you. And I feel like I learned so much about, you know, alcohol use disorder. And I so appreciate you coming on and talking about your sobriety journey, because I really do think that it's such a big issue in our society. And I think a, a lot of times people either don't realize that it's something that they themselves struggle with or... Um, realize that, you know, their friend, that's something that they're going through and, you know, they just need to support them through it. So I so appreciate you, you know, using your voice, using your platform to talk about these super important issues in our society and just know that you're making a huge difference. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad we got to meet. (laughs) So much fun. Well, thank you so much, Bronwyn. And I will see the rest of you guys on our next episode. Bye, y'all. Bye.